Welcome to Tantra Talks. This podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs and hosted by Tantra CTO Russell LaCour and Creative Director Brecky Von Bitcoin. Please note, all opinions expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Tantra Labs, Inc. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Do you want to earn interest on your Bitcoin? Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Now back to the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tantra Talks. I am here on the line. We've got none other than my amazing uh, sun-tanned co-host, Russell LaCour. He's living down in Puerto Rico now. I'm assuming he is sun, uh, he's sun-tanned, but probably not. And we also, <laughs> have, <laughs> we also have Michael Feldman, a member of the Tantra team. Uh, Mike is a, well, everyone in Tantra is br- brilliant, but Mike is like super duper double brilliant. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. That's How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Anytime. Anytime. Russell, uh, anything, anything to say? Well, yeah, the company's growing and Mike is a part of that growth spurt. And effectively what Mike is doing is he's coming on, he's shedding his wisdom and knowledge from his years of experience as a contractor and a data engineer. I, I want Mike to speak more on you know his yeah, strong I was gonna say, Russell, you gave me shit last time for talking over uh, over Josh and not letting him talk. And well, now I just I want to give the I want to give the right introduction. You know, you gotta you gotta pave the way so that Mike can shine because Mike isn't a narcissist like me and you, <laughs> as, as far as you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sex it up a little bit in terms of describing myself. If that's the way to put yeah, it. Yeah, no, please do. I I don't yeah. want to say anything if I'm not allowed to say it. Because I know <laughs> you've done some top secret stuff in your life. I have. I definitely, like, you get killed for top secret stuff. So this is kind of risky, but I'll go with it. My background is in um, physics. And in particular, the last couple of years, like Russell was saying, data science, but with a physics twist. I've been analyzing gravity science data from a couple of different NASA experiments, uh, one of which is NASA Juno. Another one uh, would be data from Cassini using tools out of Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Um, Really simply, it's looking at radio signals that we send back and forth to spacecrafts. And from those radio signals, you can determine um, different influences, forces, gravitational effects on the spacecrafts and try and model where the spacecraft is. And you can also do some fundamental physics, which is more my um, viewpoint for doing all these things. Um, 
coming on to Tantra, given my previous experiences with quant finance. Um, originally, I was looking at um, how do we best model the super, super fat tails associated with Bitcoin um, and use that for forward testing. Uh, now, coming on in a bigger role, I'm going to be helping with developing Tantra infrastructure and making sure that it's like a tank. Awesome. And, and so I'm going to sum up everything for those viewers that are non-technical. Mike is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Mike, real quick. Narcissist uh, viewpoint, I think I'm a genius, but I'm probably not. Probably not. Mike, uh, Mike, pretend it's one of those nights where we're, we're sitting back and we're tossing back some whiskeys and you're trying to explain fat tales to me when I'm, when I'm too, uh, when I'm too whiskey. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she did and I got it. So. Who, said, who says I'm not drinking a whiskey right now on a patio? Seriously. <laughs> what is it, four in the afternoon? Don't tell Russell, but. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> pretend, pretend the audience is two whiskeys deep and explain <laughs> oh, okay, fat cool. tales to them. Um, fat tails has to do with, so say you want to model Bitcoin price over time, um, and you want to understand where the price might go for the next time step, right? Or simulate where the price might go for the next time step. Um, historically what people have done with something called Monte Carlo simulations or just, uh, simulating the price would be to say, okay, for every time step, let's assume that. Um, we're rolling the dice if it goes like up 10%, up 5%, down 5%, whatever, and sample something called a probability distribution for each one of those time steps. Usually what's assumed for that probability distribution is that it's very unlikely for Bitcoin price to jump like 20, 30% in a day. Um, just given the assumption of something called log normality. What we are doing at Tantra for the forward testing stuff is to say, okay, like empirically, that's completely false. We've known that for decades. How do we simulate um, using an underlying distribution that allows for those 20, 30% jumps or declines uh, and happening more often than what historically with long normal distributions you would assume and fit the distribution based off of the historical data that we see from Bitcoin. So there's uh, there's like a generalization to the log normal distribution that's very easy to use, that has nice properties um, that we've been using. So Mike, are you are you calling bullshit on, on Black Shoals? Is that what you're doing? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but people have known this, so it's like, it's nothing new. It's just a matter of um, the way people seem to be modeling things is to say, okay, Black Shoals is a good enough model and let's add some other periphery things to make it go in line with what we actually see. It's probably better not to assume that because the most fundamental assumption of Black Shoals is log normal distributions for each time increment simulate more so with a fat tail distribution uh, and go from there anyway like long story short the whole point is like we know bitcoin is crazy we know 
Bitcoin very often will drop like in March 50% for no reason because like BitMEX goes dark. So don't assume something nice and easy and try and assume something really hard and work with that. Also, on top of that, Black Shoals actually, the company who created it blew up. Yeah. So if that tells you anything about Black Shoals and how it works as a pricing model, don't use it. Literally, the company that invented it lost everything. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, Taleb still did this, right? So uh, I think I think we're good. Yeah, there. this is literally what Taleb made his entire career on, right? So. I, I mean, he's the he's the king. So I I would just reference him. Awesome. Let's uh let's say the word to let five more times though, just for SEO purposes. Can we do that? Let's try to work it in organically. <laughs> Taleb. I don't I don't know if it works in the audio. No, I know. <laughs> something um, really interesting that I want to hear your take on, Mike, and then I, I want to get back into like uh, what you're working on at Tantra a little bit more deeply is. I was reading basically that if you tried to follow a true fat tail distribution on anything, even the stock market and Bitcoin, what ends up happening is you basically will make suboptimal returns because at all times, there's always that risk. There's always that huge tail risk. And so the only way to really trade around it is with determinism which just eliminates the monte carlo a lot of returns or the forward test yeah um you'll have to send me that article because then i should stop doing some of the work that i've been doing for tantra apologies russell is experiencing technical difficulties due to the intermittent power outages in puerto rico we'll return to our regular scheduled programming in three Two, two and a half, two and three quarters, and back to the show. Do we? It sounds like we have Russell again. Is that is that is that you, brother? You there? Yeah, I, I made it back alive. All right. Well, you know, I I rejoined on my phone audio and then or my phone Wi-Fi, and then by the time that happened, my actual Wi-Fi came back online. Because that's the thing about Puerto Rico: the blackouts are they're normally like 10, 15 minutes long. You know. So I'm back. I have power. Kind of deterring me from moving to Puerto Rico. I mean, it's you just get a generator. Yeah, you get some terrible. solar panels. Solar panels. You're cool. still living in a house, you know? It's not a cave or anything. Let's let's dive back in. Uh, I feel like we just need to restart this whole thing at this point. I mean, or Savannah's going to kill us. No, no, I made a note of when you joined. It shouldn't be too hard. I mean, I know where we were at the question. It was a hard question. It was a good question. Like using fat tail distribution would likely produce suboptimal returns. I think the counter example to that would be then how is like Taleb and Universal Investments making money, right? Like I think it depends. Uh, yeah, see. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I think it depends on your strategy, right? Yeah, exactly. They're betting for the fat tail. Right, 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 right. Of trying to maneuver around it. Right. And then that's why they made so much money. I mean, like what they do, as far as I know, and I don't really know <laughs> that much, but it sounds like <laughs> they, um, they assume the at-the-money options for whatever they're buying options are, 
are priced accurately by Black Shoals because a normal log normal distribution is super close near the money to a fat tail distribution. So you sell those and then you buy the out you finance the out of money options that are theoretically underpriced because you're not accounting for the fat tailedness of the underlying asset. Right. But I mean you could do that on the S P you could do that on Bitcoin, whatever. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure they did it on the S&P, right? Yeah. One thing I want to just note to you, Mike, as we talk, I'm always going to give like a dumbed down version of what you say. Cool. If you want to give it yourself, feel free. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, I will try. Uh, sometimes it's like, I, I'm sure you know this, but sometimes it's easier not to war, like, <laughs> the harder part is yeah. like, okay, how do I filter it when my mind is moving quickly or at least feels like, yeah. you know, you know. Well, and not to, not to take you out of the genius category because you're very much a genius. Mm-hmm. I, one thing that I have seen in uh, Tom, our partner is very much like this. They can explain extremely complex things very simply, especially with options. Right. Like when Tom ta- when Tom talks about options, my jaw drops because it's something that like I've tried to explain to someone, and he says it in a way like my mom would understand. That means he understands like, it better than I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think Einstein says something like this too. It's like a genius is someone who can explain complex things. Simply. Yeah, the guy who said it best explaining what a genius is in a simple way was Richard Feynman. He literally said that. Mm. Super famous Nobel winning physicist, an idol of mine. That's a quote from him. I'm going to attribute it. Okay, so I'm just throwing out Einstein. Because I see some white guy with white uh-huh. hair. And yeah, Einstein's, not the, Einstein's yeah. not the cool one. Feynman is the cool one. Everybody has to Google Feynman. Yeah. Wait. Cool. What's his I name? Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman, Dick Feynman. He's not related to Eric Feynman, is he? No. No, 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 no. no. As far as I know. Uh, Interesting you know tidbit. I've co-authored papers with... Uh, somebody who knew a, a couple of people who knew Dick Feynman intimately in like the intimate sense apparently but <laughs> and so that I, I do I want to I get back to that and get back to like yeah. You. yeah so what what is it like what what are those papers that you've co-authored why do you find yourself in Bitcoin yeah. right now because I, I know what you were working on before this was more, you know, space related. You're working with NASA. Yeah. Yeah, um, a, let's hear your Bitcoin, Bitcoin story. Well, actually, it's more of a it's more of a crypto story than a Bitcoin story, if I'm if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, all of my papers have been in gravitational physics, uh, for the most part. Getting back to kind of the radio science stuff I was talking about earlier. Um, The work that I've been doing uh, has been on um, gravitational physics within the solar system um, and something called astrometric solar system anomalies, uh, whether or not certain anomalies that we were seeing um, using radio signals sent back and forth between spacecrafts might be pointing to 
differences with our underlying models for the solar system or just something super mundane doing that work with my mentor john anderson uh, and he kind of introduced me to a couple other people um, within the gravity science realm. Uh, and a lot of the work has been on like, okay, something weird is happening. I, I tend to be attracted to things that are <laughs> uh, weird and people yeah. uh, dismiss them as if it's like, okay, it'll just go away. But sometimes those weird things, especially historically with physics and science, lead to really, really big breakthroughs. Do you have an um, example that, like, that we might recognize or anything like that? Any weird things? I, I mean, so John's work is in something called the Pioneer Anomaly, which was um, supposed to be resolved by one of his um, students turned colleagues. Uh, his name is Slava Turashev out of JPL, um, but effectively uh, there are two spacecrafts, Pioneer 10 and 11, that exited the solar system in opposite directions. Um, and while they were leaving the solar system, the, uh, the models for the forces that were acting on the spacecraft didn't actually align with what they were observing uh, in terms of the forces acting on the spacecraft. So what was being seen in experiment was not matching with uh, theory for whatever should be happening in terms of gravitational effects or so, other forces. Is this, some, is this a dark so, matter thing or what, what's going on here? Not, not, yeah. so I, actually, on, some, people, some people were trying to explain it with dark matter. That, like It was all across the board in terms of explanations. The consensus explanation right now is effectively the power source, uh, the radiation emitted from the power sources on the spacecrafts were was hitting the back of the antenna and like gently pushing the spacecrafts back towards the solar system. Um, they're called uh, the power sources are called RTGs. It was uh, a big thing back in the day. People were suggesting, okay, maybe it's the new version of Einstein's Mercury perihelion, that type of thing, but uh, it never ended up turning into that but there are a couple of other anomalies in one called the flyby anomaly that haven't been resolved to and john is kind of the king of those his background is more in basically helping to build up the way that we do gravity science within the solar system using large radio antennas all over earth um kind of pioneered that in the 60s and then was on almost every major mission as far as i know until he retired all right, we're gonna let let that. Let that <laughs> Sorry, that was like a long-winded. This is this is like well, a, no. a spew out of what I've done, I, and I guess the like transition to Bitcoin and Tantra. Um, and uh, Brecky would know this. I my Jewish background has meant that I've had some sort of financial exposure since bar mitzvah days so uh at some point i was looking to be a quant uh have that quant finance background and i've always had on the periphery been interested in investing when i encountered crypto first in 2013 one of my now vc friends said this is a tool of bubble don't touch it 
And that was when I was originally like, ooh, this could be a really interesting investment. And then I ignored it. And I probably would be on an island right now chilling if uh, I hadn't ignored it and coming back, I'm joking, but coming back to 2017 in the run up, then another friend was like, hey, are you paying attention to this? Uh, and then I just went down the rabbit hole, right? And over the last couple of years, I've developed because of my job and some failed side startups, the software background and the developer background necessary to actually at least get a feel for some of the like higher level API abstractions for a couple of different crypto projects. First crypto project that I got into, Brecky probably is ashamed of, but fortunately he's... he's talked about he's, everything. There's no judgment in hindsight. Uh, <laughs> Fortunately, I've I've seen the light. I have seen the light over the last uh, couple of months to years, especially with like everything going on right now. It kind of fits into the narrative of Bitcoin, right, and the purpose of Bitcoin from a financial perspective. That it's like literally, don't fight the Fed. And the theme with Bitcoin is okay, hardest money around. And you, you, all you have to do is read, like, at a very high level, Ray Dalio's debt crises books to realize, oh, well, if he's right about cycles, we're probably going to go back to super hard asset because they're just printing money like there's no tomorrow, which there might not be a tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. Mike has always been cynical. As as soon as COVID nineteen hit, Mike was telling me, "Make sure you have a bunker." Russ, he's been sending me listings for for property in like Wyoming, like every day. It's just like, "Hey, look at this place! Look at this place!" Wait, hold on. This is not something that should be discussed. The whole point of a bunker is you don't know where the person is. Well, I thought we were gonna get so much land that like you would, you know, it'd be like a thousand miles before you could even get to the bunker. You know, once yeah. you cross like the trip wires and then the, you know, the I'm traps. like I'm a I'm a Jew from New Jersey, so like I don't know how to shoot a gun. Although I should know, given Grant Summit of a Holocaust survivor, but uh, I don't feel like I can defend the property very well. So there's that. Yeah. Don't tell people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but Maybe. then you have like I mean, by that, at that point, we'll have like drone turrets, you know. Like oh, the drones yeah, will fly yeah. around and they'll have like, you know, darts right. that knock people out and stuff like right. that. Like the Andrew turret things, like just hit up uh, Palmer Lucky and end up mm. guarding, like build a fence, like a VR fence, whatever. So if your drone kills an intruder, does your drone get sued or do you? I get feel sued? like, well, does the drone count as a sentient being? Or... Yeah, how smart is the drone? Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Does... It was destroyed. There's no way to prove it. <laughs> but can you reference other, like, is it this neural net that um, there's some sort of major figured out they were violent? Yeah, yeah. 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 You have angered the Bezos bot. You are not a stray cat. Will destroy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty kitty. You get to live. All right. We're having too much fun here. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we supposed to have fun? No, we are supposed to be having fun. <laughs> I it's funny you keep referencing the Jewish yeah. background, but I I like the idea of like you came to Bitcoin 
it's funny. Most people, it wasn't the first time. Right, right, right. Never, rarely. It was the second or the third time. And then they're like, okay, this thing is really serious. But so that second time when you Mm -hmm. looked into it, what was it that drew you to it? Was it sound money? Was it the fact that it was a hard asset? No, I mean, it's kind of the typical thing. Uh, It's the greed element of, wow, this thing. Money number go up. This is going parabolic. Uh, this looks like mm-hmm. it didn't die when everybody was saying it was going to die like four years ago. Now it's super interesting, right? Yeah. And then you go down the rabbit hole of like, okay, which like, what is the deal? What is the problem that's being solved? Uh, and they're like, with this, it's crazy because the rabbit hole has lasted for years now, and I don't know anything, right? Like, I I, I really don't. It's like the more you learn, the more questions you have. It, it, it's right. It's an on the DYO. I like to say that the DYOR, do your own research process, never never really ends. Right, and it's like as a developer, I know nothing, right? And then at the same time, from a financial perspective, I really know nothing too. Uh, there's so many layers to this where it's really incredible. It's very true. It's very yeah. True. So I mean, uh, just to summarize the the typical journey of oh i can make a lot of money and now i've become completely absorbed and somehow it has uh, swallowed me whole i i take full credit for that yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you should you should uh, <laughs> no, no 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 like in all honesty you were, you were doing some really interesting research you were looking into some cool things and i think like a lot of people um you know you came into it from your background, which, you know, naturally you were interested in certain aspects of the technology just based on of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and the more, the more you learned, you, you know, you became wiser. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And it became more than just number go up, which happens <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah, most definitely. Now it's like, oh, I get it as a savings technology and I get the entire story and the narrative and it's become even like, it's funny, the deeper you dive into crypto and maybe just me, the more kind of fringe you become. And I was already fringe uh, to a certain extent, but the more you're like, wow, I never thought about society in general. Like my previous stuff is not really society thing. This is more of a society thing and a human thing. I never thought about these things in this way. The more kind of worried, but at the same time hopeful I've become. At least, at least there's like there is an alternative, right, for everything that's going yes, on right now. Exactly. Right. Like Somebody, in yeah. in 2008, there wasn't really an alternative, and it was like, okay, where where do you go? Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, now it's uh, just now it's just like, oh, well this makes complete sense. And maybe it's just that we're all in this very uh, day-to-day and intensely, but it almost seems completely inevitable. And maybe I'm, I'm jinxing it, but... Uh... <laughs> Mike, you, you can't jinx you something that's inevitable. Do Don't worry. Have... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. you alone do not have the power to stop well, it. Well, there's the narcissism. <laughs> See, I told you, narcissism. You don't change Bitcoin. Bitcoin <laughs> changes you, Mike. Whatever. Mike, has no one ever t- told you? I used to get this a lot as a child. Mm. The universe does not revolve around you. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> well, actually, let's let's dive into this real quick. Uh-oh. Do we know that? 
how do we know what the universe itself is, is revolving around? Is there any scientific evidence of that? Because without a frame well, of reference, how, how do we know? The entire... Hold on, before Mike gives you the scientific answer, I've got your, your answer for you. Because I'm spinning myself in a circle right now, which means that everything is you know, going around me, right? Well, no, experientially, the universe revolves around you. Because everything that you experience happens from within you. Hmm. So from an experience standpoint... Yes, everything does revolve around you. From a physical standpoint, no. Oh. From a science standpoint, um, the entire model for like Big Bang cosmological, like cosmological model that we use at really large scales is based off of something called the cosmological principle, which means the universe doesn't resolve, revolve around crypto brecky or <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'm mentioned by name in there, am I? But uh... you are, you are actually. If you Google and look at the Wikipedia for cosmological principle, it does explicitly state, um, not necessarily isotropy and homogeneity. It, it says that Jason Don is not the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Savannah, uh, actually bleep out my last name. Actually, don't worry about it. So no, bleep it out. I apologize. I, I'll, I'll say Brecky. My name is out there. It's cool. Um, oh yeah, I, I forgot. I'm like I'm doxing the shit out of you right now. Um, Jason opened the call up with Russell. How's Puerto Rico? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that before. People know yeah, you there. I know. I... Can we um? Can we continue this uh, this tangent? Can we talk about some, yeah, some really uh, heavy, Well, I mean, uh, actually, kind of continuing on the tangent, but there is salivating and tentative research suggesting maybe we're not completely right about that fundamental assumption for the cosmological principle, and maybe the universe doesn't look the same in all directions, and we're, like, there's no sort of kind of relative frame, but uh, that's likely wrong. I mean, it, it's possible, though, like if the universe is ever expanding, it doesn't stop moving. Right. Like there is no there's nothing like holding it down. Yeah, maybe. I mean, then you get into the like, I'm sure people would argue maybe there is like some alternative universe and go with the multiverse argument that's pulling on this universe in a particular direction that's giving that's moving it away from that fundamental assumption i don't necessarily believe that something's got to fill up that 99.9 percent of space mm -hmm. nothing well well theoretically <laughs> it might be dark, it might be dark energy it might be dark energy although it does i agree with elon musk dark energy sounds like bullshit but <laughs> what do you mean it sounds like bullshit? <laughs> no, because it's basically like the worst disagreement between theory and measurement of all time. I think it's like 120 orders of magnitude off in terms of the value we expect. Um, and personally, I would err on, I mean, I used to think this, I don't know anymore, that dark energy and dark matter which comprise 95 percent of the energy density of the universe and the existing model are pointing to some incorrect or are pointing to some structural deficiencies in the fundamental assumptions of our current models and maybe we need to think beyond whatever we whatever framework we've built up over the last couple of decades uh, or at least try to think beyond versus just 
staying within that framework. I think that that is most viable because ultimately like we have so much more knowledge now than we did decades ago. <laughs> and <laughs> we're, yeah. I think part of this universe, at least science, like science is great, but the problem with science is that they tend to try to disprove everything which leads uh -huh. them down this rabbit hole, which you're even talking about now, right? Like they're pigeonholing uh -huh. themselves for 10 years straight or, you know, uh -huh. four decades. Right. And right. when you do that and we, we see it all the time, right? Like if you don't even check to see if there is another possibility or there is another direction, then you could miss the whole boat, right? Like you could miss the uh -huh. whole thing. Uh -huh. Right. I mean, and like I could, Who's really good at talking about this on Twitter is uh, Eric Weinberg, um, and he's far more senior, right, and has far more experience with this. But there are a multitude of reasons why, it, or I believe why science is very incremental, especially now. Yeah. Um, but it it's it, it an immense risk to move away from whatever the consensus is especially within the peer review system yeah the system is broken interesting tangent does ubi solve that universal basic income yeah where a scientist doesn't need to worry about uh being famous to make money they can just be a scientist i i personally think the problem is uh or one solution to think of now, the problem is not necessarily UBI. The problem is that um, the currency within science are peer-reviewed papers um, and which journal you're reviewed in. And the journals are effectively owned by like a handful of companies. There's an oligopoly. Um, you can read up on this. And the former, well, he's not dead, but the founder of Reddit was like bumping into this you have a handful of companies that essentially control the currency within academia uh, and there's zero incentive for them to change or to do anything innovative. And the academics themselves have to publish for like in certain journals and it's risky not to publish in those journals. So they effectively get forced into doing relatively incremental work that'll guarantee publication in those journals, but they don't get paid. Like, I, I think the solution would end up being if, um, I don't know, you have like more of a Spotify model where... Or like a GitHub model. Why isn't science all on GitHub? Like everyone contributing, open source it's everything. It's kind of starting to. Like, I think people, people are trying to, and it's starting to, but, um, and ResearchGate has been really good with that too. Uh, it's like an academic Facebook, but, um, even ResearchGate was getting sued. I don't know if they still are, was getting sued by the publishing oligopoly because you would, uh, as a researcher, you would put your preprint on ResearchGate to advertise your work along with putting it on like the academic archive. And some of the preprints that you would put up, they might be formatted similar to the published version formatting. And when you publish, you have to sign over 100% of your copyright to the publishing company. And you don't see any of the proceeds associated with the article that's being published in the journal. And then the the publishing company puts a paywall like a $40 paywall up 
So they own the copyright and they enforce that on ResearchGate and all these other platforms saying, hey, this is copyright infringement because you signed over your copyright to us, even though you did all the work and you were funded by the public. This sounds worse than the music industry. Like, Oh, by far. I mean, I don't know the music industry, but this is, in my view, killing science. Well, yeah, it incentivizes just following the norm, which is never good. And especially like as much as people don't want to admit it, science is a very creative field. Like the scientists should be encouraged to stand alone on their opinions and try new things. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a backlash against it right now, but there has been for years and it's been unsuccessful. I mean, it's called the open source Mm -hmm. movement, but I, I think the model that would make sense because most of these publishing companies are like they're getting free labor from scientists at the editorial level and at the research level would be more of a model where the scientists themselves and the editors and the peer reviewers own a percentage of the copyright proceeds or whatever the revenues are that the article brings in and you get paid out like royalties like any other artistic field but there's no incentive for publishing companies to do that because they have an oligopoly and they control the currency of academia as well so why would they do that when they can control like they can keep all the profits for themselves and i think their profit margins are at like 30 or 40 percent i don't know if it's still that i mean you can just google this and look at a guardian article about it but it's at their profit margins are at the level of apple but they're the amount of innovation they do is like nothing so anybody that wants to start a company um, doing the Spotify of academia that integrates with ResearchGate would kill it. They just have to make sure they don't get the So is this one of the reasons why you've kind of left that behind for now? Or are you still involved? In um, I mean, it's a little bit, but it's trailing. I think um, it's one of the reasons I became super cynical. Yeah in life um because i I feel like i feel like you had the realization that you shouldn't be doing this research and allowing other people to make money off of it so if you're gonna do this research then you might as well be the one to make money off of it right but then it's a question of how do you make money off of it right right Right, by working for tantra and doing research (laughs) yeah there you go there you go i I mean i think there (laughs) that's the right segue I, i think uh Unfortunately, the like academia would be better, and academics would disagree with me, but I think academia would be better off with an injection of money in the sense of like more capitalistic to a certain extent. Like taking the like state funding away from these uh, institutions and kind of allowing the markets to actually like say, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that because like look how great NASA is, right? Or the things that NASA has done. I I would say more along the lines of at least getting paid for your work uh, that you publish, right? And Mm -hmm. having not all of your skin be taken away from you just because the trade-off is like moving up the academic ladder. And that's just the way it is. It kind of reminds me of like the whole student-athlete debate a little bit. Man, institutions. Probably, yeah. They suck. Can we um can we t- talk a little bit also about because you, you were mentioning NASA and you know we just had 
the scrubbed uh, SpaceX launch, which is super exciting, and I'm still going to watch it, and I'm still excited. Me too. Um, Me too. Can we talk a little bit about like this transition from like a, a NASA-led uh, world to a you know private sector-led space world? Because um, like you said that like you know you were just saying all the things that NASA has done, and like you know it's been a while since I've you know studied my American history back in grade school, but uh, you know. Like, I, I know the history of NASA, but it seems to me like in the last, you know, 20 years, like it's fallen off. But that's more just like my outside perspective. Like, I don't I'm not plugged into how they're leading the, you know, the foray into space, even without the space shuttle. So, like, I mean, I would say it probably feels like it's fallen off to you because everybody already <laughs> wants to work for SpaceX versus, I mean, because you have like the head of spacex view and rightfully so as um a visionary that yes spacex is going to mars nasa's going to the iss no but like nasa is also going to europa and like far out right and nasa is still the only people that have um the deep space network the ability to communicate super with spacecraft super super far out uh, i mean along with a multitude of other things and nasa focus is more science-based versus spacex focus uh is more industry-based right but i i like i this is part of uh all conversations that brecky and i have had on the side it it does feel like the space is becoming more and more private right so there are a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurs to do cool things in space we'll see with like coronavirus and what happens with that and whether or not that gets delayed doesn't get delayed uh and whether or not it's literally just like jeff bezos versus elon musk (laughs) that's it that'll be interesting did you hear about the movie that they're doing i just learned about this i I stopped reading like the hollywood trades a long time ago but they're, they're doing uh they're filming a movie in space with Tom Cruise. So I think Tom Cruise is going oh, to space. I saw that. I saw he's, that. He's, so he can convene with Xenu <laughs> and his, uh, you know, his overlord. What? Um, <laughs> is it a Scientology movie for sure? No, no, no. It's not Scientology. I'm just, uh, uh, I mean, I that'd be pretty funny. I have enough uh, money. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Although we, we shouldn't comment on that. That would be surprised. No. Hey, Church of Scientology, if you're out there uh, and you we like love Bitcoin, you. we love you. Hit us up. I want to be enlightened. Uh, can... Enlighten me. I can't make any promises, but you know, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, you're, you're, you've, you already have a guru, okay? I don't think, I don't think, I think Sad Guru would be a little sad to know that you're. Uh... Yeah, yeah, but he won't let me pay for enlightenment, and the Church of Scientology will. So come at me. I'm trying to, I want to just mm. get there. <laughs> do, not, do not come at me. I still live in LA. Please do not come at. Me. I'm, I'm. I will bow down to you, Overlord. I, you like. You guys are crazy. I'm not. I'm not I actually that. went to the. Uh, I didn't like go into a church of Scientology, but for like a pho- photography project once, I went to their campus up in Hollywood, uh, in East Hollywood, to um, like oh, yeah. just take some photos there. And it is a spooky, spooky place. Like yeah, I was on like public yeah, street, the big blue building, yeah, that huge blue hotel. Yeah, thing. and there's like docents standing around. It's like these like good looking like yeah. young young people like wearing like a button up shirt and like the same like uniform uh-huh. and like kind of just staring you down as you walk by. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting is a nice way to put it. 
hey, when when a Bitcoiner is calling something crazy, you know, you, you know, it's crazy. yeah, you got to run. Like, definitely, <laughs> do not go near Scientology. I don't know how we we're supposed to be talking about science, and somehow we're on science. Oh, Tom Cruise. That's why. <laughs> From science <laughs> to Scientology. Always back to Tom Cruise. It's like. <laughs> Three degrees of freedom with Tom Cruise instead of Kevin Bacon. It's just, it's, <laughs> Tom Cruise is that pervasive. Uh, <laughs> did we did we ever answer? I think you kind of started talking about why Bitcoin. Oh, um, well, crypto rabbit hole uh, um, exposure developing on not Bitcoin platforms because uh, given my more traditional financial background and investing background, I thought, okay, the platform that I'm building on is super interesting and people aren't paying attention to it because it looks like the internet of credit catered to um, traditional finance. Uh, Now that's kind of irrelevant because the whole notion of credit is kind of going out the window, right? And we potentially have this major debt crisis coming or being postponed and the, the focus really should be on like the hard asset at least in my mind um yeah that that's where the transition has happened basically you were a gravity scientist and bitcoin has the, the most mass so <laughs> you were drawn to bitcoin yeah, yeah. all makes sense bitcoin is the black hole I, I'm glad it is. It's a it's a it's a fiat money black hole. Yes, hundred percent. It's a power black hole. You know. Yeah. What is the Hawking radiation equivalent for the Bitcoin black hole? What? Let's first answer <laughs> what is Hawking radiation. <laughs> yeah, you lost, uh, you lost me at that one. Hawking radiation is radiation emitted by a black hole that was first discovered by Stephen Hawking. Uh, arguably, according to a colleague of mine, but yes, Stephen Hawking. Um, <laughs> Wait, so how, how is that even possible? I thought everything, nothing When you merge uh, something called quantum field theory with general relativity, even though we don't have a um, framework for quantum gravity, you can kind of fudge it. And, well, that's a bad way to put it, but you can kind of fudge it. And in fudging it, Hawking discovered that black holes uh, actually emit radiation is, is one way to put it. And that radiation is called Hawking radiation. Mm, uh, now I forgot what we were talking about before this. <laughs> Bitcoin, Bitcoin, black, Bitcoin black hole, what's the equivalent of a Bitcoin of black hole with like what, what type of radiation would, if, if ah, Bitcoin see. black hole is sucking in fiat, what what does it turn into with Hawking radiation? I right? think that the Hawking radiation just like Bitcoin. No, 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 no. That's it's number go up, man. Like it's what we're able to detect. You know, like uh, there's a you know the number steadily going. Maybe the radiation dips back a little bit, then it shoots up for a reason that we can't. Uh, that's actually. not how Hawking radiation works, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, you shouldn't have asked a non-scientist. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. We'll figure it out at some point. Something clever will come up. Mm. I want to talk about Schrodinger's uh, Bitcoin too. I don't know what that is, but uh, yeah. that Bitcoin is both up and down at the same time. Ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, 
It has nothing to do with fat tails. It has everything to do with just Bitcoin being crazy. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Uh, no. Um, I, I'll, I'll think a little bit about what Hawking radiation would be in a Bitcoin world. Yeah. So anyway, that's how I got to Bitcoin. Um, and also in terms of work with Tantra, the fascination with the fat tailedness of the underlying distribution of Bitcoin price over time um, and the investing opportunity potentially associated with that, right? Like if you look at the tails, it's just, it's really juicy. So how do we take advantage of that or just sit on it? Um, comes back to the greed as well. So it's like full circle. Mm-hmm. 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 Don't even, you don't even want to mention the whole, the whole the fact that, you know, at first you were like, who are these Tantra guys? Why should I pay attention? And I was just like, no, you really should pay attention. It's fine. Don't talk about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Brecky is a great friend, and he makes sure that he sets me up with the coolest people in the world that actually uh, are passionate about what they're doing and do, like, amazing work. Yeah, that's how I got here to Tantra. It's it's really, I mean, you you are effectively my pimp at this point. You're what? <laughs> uh, my pimp. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brecky, thank you for lending us your hoe. <laughs> uh does that mean that i get a uh i get i get a cut i think it does russell uh, yeah you, you, have to, you have to negotiate that with your own not with me i'm the client uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't like, like this metaphor I don't, I don't like this metaphor really i'm imagining mike in a thong bikini it's kind of sexy. Is that the second time that you the first time <laughs> um no, what what it really is, and it, it really, huh? Do you have to answer that? No, do not answer that. <laughs> yeah, no. Our working relationship might not be the same. Uh. <laughs> no, I mean, what it really comes down to, and and uh, you are a very special person, Mike. You're a brilliant person who is easily pimpable across the, <laughs> the universe. But uh, really, honestly, I just want all my friends to work in in and around Bitcoin, like yeah, uh, no matter what they do. I mean, so, uh, I, I fully appreciate that. Uh, I mean, greatly appreciate it. Look where I am. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be here without you. Where? Stuck, stuck home in your house? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, stuck home in his house, yeah. but with Bitcoin. No, I don't Ooh. have any Bitcoin. Isn't that what we're supposed to say? Well, we had that boating accident a while. It was really tragic. Right, 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 right. For some reason, all our hardware wallets and our seeds like fell overboard. It was like kind of crazy. What lake were you on? Or do you remember exactly where you were? <laughs> right, location right. When that happened? No, it was the ocean. It was it was actually the deepest part of the ocean, the Marianas Trench. Oh, okay. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah, no, we yeah. were on the moon. What are you talking about? This was our moon, moon excursion. Or oh, right. I, it might have been the ISS excursion with Tom Cruise. I forget. Right, we were scouting for the movie. Yeah, that was a fun time. Oh, so it's a space we tried to floating out there. I think so. Well, I mean, that would be bad. Well, that would not be good. the thing is, Russell, <laughs> uh, we were up in space, and when I... When when we lost them, so we accidentally kicked kicked them away from us, right? Somehow they were outside our spacesuits, 
and they had they were gaining uh what's it called gaining uh momentum is that yeah. the word mike so because yeah, they were gaining so. momentum in a vacuum uh right now they're they're traveling close to the speed of light on the other side of the wait universe. hold on um, I want to. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do we want to unpack that or not? Yeah, I want you to. Yeah, unpack that. <laughs> what happens if you take a cold card or a trezor and oh. you accelerate it in a vacuum? Of okay, space? there what you happens? go. I mean, you needed to accelerate it at some point. I'm glad we got to that point. Like Newton's first law, right? Well, depends if you factor in Earth, but you need you need some sort of force <laughs> to get it out there. Right. To make it easy, to make it easy, all right? Uh, and we've actually had a convo like this before, so it shouldn't be too hard for you. Uh, imagine you're in the vacuum of space with zero gravitational bodies around you. Mm-hmm. Zero. Which uh, is actually it, hard to imagine. Because it's I know, it doesn't really exist in a lot of places. But let's say, you know, it's the, it's the piece of paper that, uh, that uh, Newton's working on when he's coming up with his theories. There is no outside world. It's just the world of, of the theory. So you've got a hardware wallet, you accelerate it, there's no gravitational effect on it whatsoever. What how happens? Are, how are you accelerating it? Eh, is that important? Is that okay, really cool, important? Cool, cool. We're dropping like a rocket to the hardware. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an invisible rocket that has no mass and unlimited energy. Now go. Okay. Uh, photon? No mass? It, it's, it's, a light, it's a light beam. <laughs> no, the rocket has no mass. The, oh, the hardware oh. wallet has mass. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, uh, and it goes to infinity. What? What's the question? The hardware. Oh, oh we, we, the hardware wallet will be safe or not safe, or we're going to steal your Bitcoin. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what'll happen to the velocity? Like, will it eventually reach the speed of light? Uh, conservation of momentum, right? So, like, is it just an impulse where you're adding acceleration at the beginning and it's not constant acceleration being added to it? Or is it, like, it's on the rocket? Uh, yeah, do you see? So it would need constant acceleration up to mm. the speed of light to get I mean, there. not necessarily constant, but, uh, yeah. Not going to lie, you guys are boring the fuck out of me. <laughs> right, well, uh, you know what, folks? Moral of the story, don't lose your hardware wallets in space. If you have to lose them by accident, drop them over the side of a boat. That way Russell can go diving and try to find them yes, and ma'am. steal your bitcoins. Sir, I mean, sir. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, what about B- Bitcoin in space, though? Like, that's actually oh, yeah. a cool topic. I mean, we've had this conversation over Twitter. This, like, this problem needs to be thought out pretty deeply i don't know how many it sounds like a lot of people are talking about this or we're talking about this at some point but mm-hmm. how are you going to resolve the issue of uh the light time back and forth between earth and mars right we have a colony say we have a colony on mars mm-hmm. like because we're ambitious like elon musk and not like other people with the moon we have a colony on. I'm joking. We have a colony on Mars. We have a colony on the Moon. How are you going to have miners on Mars and the Moon and Earth communicate with each other when, like, the light time is way too large compared to whatever the block time is right now? Does that necessarily mean that we should elongate the block time to compensate for the differences in light time? I mean, that's one way to do it. In the sense of like Bitcoin becomes scarcer. Is I would that possible? think 
and you know, forgive the naivete, Mister Physics Lord. But I would think that a lot of the efforts of uh, space science right now is really going towards this idea of like physic physical nature, light being something that's physical, and even sound being something that's physical. Where we've even seen theoretically, it is possible to warp space time and basically just build uh, like quantum entanglement almost at a higher level. So you can teleport something somewhere instantly by just understanding the coordinates of the universe. And so to answer your question on block time, with that kind of a solution, it doesn't matter. Because effectively you're, you're moving instantly. There's no such thing as speed of light anymore in that realm. You're just teleporting data. Yeah, but like the action of entangling means there has to be some sort of interaction Right. I'm, by no means do I think that we haven't figured out yet. Only that theoretically, yeah. <laughs> only, only that theoretically it's possible. And I would think that yeah. if you believe this theory that uh, an object can exist at all points in the universe simultaneously, mm-hmm. then in fact we only need one Bitcoin node because that node could be everyone's node, and it would be everywhere at the same time. I, yeah, I, think I would also in that case, I say that and at that point we wouldn't even need Bitcoin because you could literally just like do anything right. period. Right. I mean Bitcoin is the bridge yeah, to absolutely. the Star Trek universe. It's what we need until we, we're post post currency. I, mean, I, I think it's a good question of like, are we gonna be using fiat on Mars? For, Trade my fucking space goats for your space carrots, and you're gonna marry me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It's gonna be <laughs> your musk box. Musk box. Oh man, <laughs> it's not funny. It's true. True. Uh, Probably. Well, I thought we were gonna talk seriously about this, about how we'd have one, maybe, uh, you know. One Bitcoin on Earth that you know that settles with another one in space. I, you know what? It's fine. We went off on, on a, a tangent, and I'm that's happy. Not, I mean, that's not. I mean, to me, that's not as fun. It would be cool to figure out how to do it, at, or working with the base layer, right? Instead of doing a credit thing where you're swapping one Bitcoin ecosystem credit for another Bitcoin ecosystem. I mean, not credit. I mean, maybe but, Mars just runs on its own Lightning Channel. Right. It, it very well could be. It could be a second layer that uh, like settles with Earth every you know <laughs> God knows how many years. But how do you reckon? So there's no there's like no miners on Mars. All the miners are on Earth or like yeah, maybe they're like satellites. in between Earth and Mars. I saw a um, I saw I, I was reading a paper. I can't remember who did it. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But they were basically saying that the way it could work with Mars is that people on Mars could use Bitcoin. But that um, the mining would have to stop at a certain distance from Earth, otherwise it wouldn't. It, I mean, I gotta tell you guys right. the truth. By the time we're colonizing Mars, I think Bitcoin has already served its purpose, and we have evolved past the need of currencies. You mean twenty twenty four? No, like <laughs> fully colonizing, not I like mean, a, so that, and a dream. But that's mm. Russ. That's an interesting question, though. Like. Is is a transfer a, a system of transferring value necessary for 
uh, for humanity. Like you look at Star Trek, you know, like they're not making money. At least the people who you know work I for the love Federation, that everyone Star Trek has UBI or something like here, that. And I will, I will go with it. Always, I think always. currency is important when you have basic needs that, for whatever reason, can't be fulfilled. We're fulfilling those today. Now, currency can be used outside of that for things that aren't basic necessities. Like, I want to own my own rocket ship. Okay, I, I probably need currency to do that because there's no other way for us to transfer energy unless, and I was having this conversation the other day, and this is a whole rabbit hole for a whole other call, but unless the entire world basically adopts the sharing economy which I think is very possible. And I think that Bitcoin could actually be the cause of it. We're already seeing it with Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, uh, Airbnb. Basically everything in the world is becoming a shared resource. And if that happens with the addition of something like a UBI or Bitcoin, then effectively everyone in the world has access to everything in the world, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm with you in terms of understanding what you're saying, but like the first thing that comes to my mind is like the tragedy. Well, right. Of the commons. It, like, what happens is basically that? like you still need a way to prove or not prove, but like it's always energy exchange. Like the guy that sits on his couch and plays video games all day isn't going to have as much energy or like what we're calling currency today as the guy that goes out there and he helps change the world and builds rocket ships that take people to Mars. The guy that's building rocket ships taking people to Mars is getting more energy or currency, right? Because he's affecting a change and making a difference, and so he's being rewarded for that. So that doesn't mean that the guy who sits on his couch all day and plays video games or watches TV shouldn't get paid and shouldn't be able to eat and live because those resources are there. Like the world has them. So you're saying instead of, I mean, Bitcoin kind of gives that mechanism for converting energy to a currency, right? Um, you're saying instead of having that conversion mechanism, literally be paying in energy like must you have must solar panels and then you pay somebody and uh well, that's, that's effectively what a bitcoin is right now right right like right, right. It, it truly is we're converting energy into a, a resource it's oil like what is oil today it's it's energy yeah. you literally yeah. have something consumable that people need to live I mean, Russ, you're talking to a gravity scientist here okay everything is energy but like coming back to it why i mean coming back to it because this interests me what why wouldn't you want to have that on mars right like what i mean it, going back to the argument are we going to have currency on mars i mean what well, so, okay uh, yeah. yeah it's interesting like the way that i look at it is Mars in the beginning will be a perfect utopia. Everybody that's there will be contributing, right? One guy's growing food, the other guy's doing research, the other guy's teaching the children. So everyone. Have you seen 2010: A Space Odyssey? No. Oh, you gotta see that. Or the movie, or the movie Red Planet. You should go see these movies before. uh... No, but the National. Have you seen that National Geographic series, uh, Mars? 
that's featuring like the entire space race to Mars, it, it kind of has that same narrative that Russell was talking about, where it starts out with, and maybe they're just doing their own agenda, a bunch of scientists going to Mars, colonizing and doing scientific endeavors, and then the private industry comes, fucks it up, and <laughs> now we're, yeah, now well, we're all so, boring. So there's like it depends a, if we're talking about a fully colonized Mars, like a, a, an advanced Mars, or like the beginning. And I think we're, we're trying to talk about a, a fully advanced Mars that's been settled but, for 100 years type of but, deal. But like if Musk is the guy that colonizes Mars, right – uh, you're gonna he's gonna be cooperating with the US and whoever else he needs to cooperate with at some level I don't know about that he opened uh, up his factory when he wasn't allowed to so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but I mean at some level then and it's probably already come up in discussions you have discussion about property rights on Mars who owns what is must necessarily gonna be the guy that's gonna own everything no, there's no way governments are going to allow that. If they're still around, but yes. And then people are going to want to buy property on Mars, and what are they going to buy with Bitcoin? That's the segue. Yeah. So to but that, how do we get? Yeah, to uh, no to that Bitcoin end, here? it's you're you're right. It's you need a currency for that, and Bitcoin and would be. I that. mean, like how? But how do? Yeah. So. I guess we'll have to figure out a different time. How do we get Bitcoin there, right, properly and sync it up with everything else so that it's in consensus with Earth and Moon? I think the better question is, how many land plots are there on Mars? And if there's more than 21 million, does that mean that if I have one Bitcoin, (laughs) I can buy at least one land plot on Mars? <laughs> Bro, yeah. I'm uh, I'm selling property on Mars right now. Tell me, you want you want beachfront? You want uh, you want to be near Mount? Uh, you want to be near Olympus Mons? Sure, like, I got I'll you. I give you uh, ten ten thousand satoshis. You're gonna be getting a knock on your door from the government soon. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> for, for, sell, for selling property on Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, good luck, man. They don't own it. Okay? <laughs> Who are they to stop me? Brecky, you need to Photoshop <laughs> yourself. You need to Photoshop yourself on Mars, holding like a for sale time real estate sign. Timeshare. <laughs> time, time, Brecky's timeshares. Yeah. <laughs> Mars timeshares. I how like much, that. What would you charge? Like, what, what do you? How much do you think a plot of land on Mars should <sighs> cost? Do you do you mean like actually like like if yeah, for whatever like reason thinking through it like okay so versus a plot of land in Wyoming because dude it, I think it's stupid cheap I think stupid like they're gonna pay you to go there if you were to auction it off right now on Earth given people were like paying for a one way death trip to Mars with a different company outside of SpaceX years ago I think you could probably <laughs> get a pretty penny. From uh, really your Mars property, I feel like probably well, yeah. It's like in terms of speculation, like imagine if like like people there was a frenzy of people speculating on what uh, what land will would be worth on Mars yeah. you know, down the road. That, yeah, because you know Musk is going to get there, so it's like I'm going to bet on Musk. That's my yeah. But see, you're betting on him. <laughs> you're not betting like here. This is this is the way I see it, right? Musk goes right. to Mars. He builds a colony. Your plot of land is about a mile from there. Well, guess what? You don't have a fucking spaceship or the technology to build on your piece of land. And all of that tech 
Like even if let's say you manage to hitch a ride there, it costs you however much money and time. Now you need to build mm-hmm. there and actually be able to live there. And that, my friend, is fucking expensive. So I would think that true. I don't know, Russ. But you're I don't still, know, man. You're still playing to people's narratives in their heads that at some point there will be infrastructure to get you from must call me to your plot of land. Right. And be able First to First of all, okay. I'm going to be building ski-in, ski-out properties on Olympus Mons where you're going to be able to go on the universe's longest ski trail, okay? <laughs> it's, it's going to be like 50 miles or whatever it is from top is to it, bottom. Is it, is it the universe? I think it's the highest mountain in the solar system, at least. I mean, I, I still subscribe. I want you guys to know. Not my I subscribe to the fact that Mars totally had an ozone at one point, and I think we might be able to restore it. So – on the like tail, the tail oh, yeah, end of the yeah, bet, yeah. you know, three hundred years, absolutely buy some land. But in your lifetime, it's seeing value. Yeah, but what yeah. if? Uh, <laughs> but what if? Here's the crazy thing. What if we are from Mars, okay, and we destroyed Mars and then terraformed Earth and came yeah, here? Have you been watching? Now oh, we're gonna go back, it. and we've have already screwed it up. Like, like on YouTube because there's a YouTube channel dedicated to this. <laughs> No, I mean... No, my brother watches Ancient Aliens, I, yeah. so I hear it in the background. Have you ever... I, I mean, this is kind of tangent, but did you realize Flat Earthers exist? <laughs> Wait, no. Did you realize like, that they spent, spent $20,000 trying like to they convince still exist. people that the Earth was flat and they they figured out that it wasn't? They're like, they're all over LA. It's crazy. I went to a coffee shop and the barista was like, I I believe the Earth is flat, and I didn't know what to say. What am I supposed I mean, to say to that? Like, what do you say? Nod your head and stop talking. Do you to just them. stand shocked? I, I mean, uh, ultimately, I there's yeah. a lot of things to the flat Earth theory that I think are cool, but to actually believe we live on a flat planet is just insane. It's just yeah, pretty much. There there's certain parts to their theories that are really cool, but. If you just go sit outside for long enough, drive around, go to the top of a mountain, you can clearly see that this Earth is not flat. I well, mean, it depends if we're in a simulation they're, or not. God, the simulation theory. <laughs> <laughs> like, Musk says anything, and people are like, yes, this is how the universe works. It must be simulation theory. I mean, I don't know, man. Have, haven't you noticed that like your iPhone is running a little slower, and, then, uh, and, may, and maybe it corresponds with the uptick in Bitcoin hash rate? So maybe all this Bitcoin mining—that's actually virtual Bitcoin mining—is <laughs> putting a strain on the matrix. You know? <laughs> I mean, I think that would be cool. I, how are you supposed to? My problem with it is okay. What's what's the experiment, or maybe like I haven't done enough research into it. What's the experiment to debunk that theory or prove it right? Like, how do you prove that we're actually in a simulation? You kill how yourself. How do you prove we're in the matrix? How did Neo do it? Oh yeah, true. So that, that's actually the way to do it. You kill yourself. Well, no, no, no. Didn't Elon actually like cite some? Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Wait, while, you, while you look that up, I will actually explain killing yourself uh, through several different lenses, and then I have to go because I actually have other things that I need to do. But this has been really fun. So.
um, like an ayahuasca killing yourself. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a ton of. I'm just gonna throw because this in my life is the most interesting thing to me outside of crypto and programming is death and you know life just in general. And so, uh, first, you're raised Jewish, but have you ever read the Bible or like? Uh, a little bit, but more like in middle school because I had to. Okay. So, I so, really so in the Bible, one of the apostles is in jail and he's writing a letter and he basically says, I thank the Lord for I die in Christ every day. And it's like, what? What, the, what is this guy talking about? You know, is that a mistranslation? You go to the Hebrew. No, he literally uses the word like I die every day. And then you go and you study like Zen Buddhism, look at uh, meditation. And so the whole purpose of meditation, once you get really deep into it, this isn't like the mom's yoga on Saturdays on, in you know uh, Silicon Beach. Pacific Palisades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like actual yeah. yoga and the point of it is to die. They, yeah. they call it like the ego death. Cool. Truly, you get to a point cool. where you separate yourself from your body it's like when you're dreaming at night you kind of like leave your body behind and what happens is yeah. you can teach yourself and become like skilled enough to actually separate yourself from your body without dying which is the same as you know it's what happens when you go on a dmt trip a lot of people talk about like oh, i died like i felt the ego death i shot out of my spine let me tell you, you can do that 100% sober and monks and gurus and yogis have been doing it for millennia and talking about it and writing about it. Like people say that, uh, what's his name? Carl, whoever discovered the ego and the id. There is, mm-hmm. what's Young. his name? Carl Jung. Carl yeah. Jung. So yeah, there's a, a really great ancient text called the yoga sutras written by this guy Pajnatal, and he's basically talking about all the layers of the mind 14,000 years ago this guy is talking about the ego and how its sole purpose is survival and it's basically just like your best friend and worst enemy all at the same time and all of the different ways that you can kind of soothe it to be in full control. I love it. All right, I'm gonna have to write that down and read it. I mean, so how long has it, because it sounds like you personally in your practice have gotten that level. I've, I've died once. Russell's floating above his chair. <laughs> no, I, I will say this. I've astral projected when I was younger Nowadays, I'm way too engrossed in the world to do it. Like, I don't practice as much as I, I am um, in the world, if that makes sense to you. But I have left my body before, like, pure, like purely not a dream, not a, like, uh, hallucination, no drugs. And it's just this realization of you aren't this body. like. You are this so, Russ, pervasive awareness that's experiencing this right now, but by no means are you your mind. You are not your body. 
you're something entirely different. You're just energy. Mm. Russell, I have, I have a question for you. Um, I, I, I do tend to believe you and agree, not necessarily believe, but yeah. agree with you um, on a lot of what you just said. But like something like astral mm-hmm. projection, for example, like I still kind of think it's bullshit. And let me ask you, uh, um, like if you were in a position where you like you were in tune and you've been meditating or practicing and you you believe you said to yourself, yes, I can I can astral project at this time. Like, is it the type of thing where it's like, okay, you're in Puerto Rico, I'm here, I write a number down on a piece of paper. Could you ask would you be confident saying that you could astral project and tell me what number I wrote down? Like, do you really, really believe it's that real? Or is it more of a spiritual, like I'm out of my body kind of thing? Like <laughs> Let me, I'm going to answer it a different way, and this will be a way that I think Mike will like. And ultimately, I said it earlier, the universe is experiential. So if I say something, for you to believe it or not believe it, I hope that you never believe a single thing that I say and that you always try to seek out the answer for yourself and experience it for yourself. It's a very scientific. Yes, I like that. I like that. That's very scientific. Thank you. And then with that being said, I can tell you that I have met people and seen things that do not follow the ideas that we have been perpetuated our whole life on what physical reality is. But when you look at the idea of quantum physics or the idea that everything is energy and energy is a boundlessness it's also one thing, then the idea of astral projecting and seeing what's on your paper right now is totally within the realm of possibilities because the number seven. I wrote seven. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I, I, mean, I, I feel yeah, like I'm not do I want to disagree with my boss, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like a lot of the things I've read also, like one of the things that really blew my mind once, it was a story about a monk who had, I think he'd racked up more meditation hours than like anybody in recorded history. Like one of like, you know, Dalai Lama's best friend kind of thing. Yeah. And when he died, there was this phenomenon, and I think it's happened, you know, a number of times with these, like, with a lot of these lamas yeah. and these these high-ranking monks. Is like the life force doesn't really leave their body; like, they don't start decomposing for like a month or something crazy, because yeah, it's different from normal death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, and you know, the number of times where this has been talked about is more. It, it's happened more enough times that like it, it can't be discounted, right? Um, cool. Yeah. My whole shtick, and I think you're on board too for the most part, is that we may just not have the scientific tools yet to actually uh, describe what's actually happening. So we might be using these sort of uh, woo-woo, uh, you know, new age ways of talking about it, but really it's just that we... But, <laughs> well, no, that's exactly it. Isn't, like, what's magic? Magic is just science that hasn't been scienced yeah, yet. Yeah, that's, you know? that's fair. I, I basically, like, even the whole idea of, like, telekinesis and all these things, like we discount them because it doesn't seem real today. And by no means am I saying it is. It, it's more that like, we don't know. Like we know that like you can't do it, but that doesn't mean that it's not possible at some level for us to manipulate energy at some point in our evolution. Like why not? If everything in the universe is energy, we're talking about literally folding space time. At that point, your time travel is realistic. Like what is 
out of the realm of possibility there. At some level, when we're doing that and we're like manipulating space time and folding space time in front of the spacecraft in order to be able to get further faster, uh, we won't frame yeah. it as um, an energy, as Jason would say, woo-woo thing. We'll frame it as like a science thing, but it's like a similar mindset, right? We're, as human beings, yeah, we exactly. are manipulating. We're, we, for some reason, feel the need and are compelled to manipulate our surroundings in order to be able to... Uh, I don't know if better ourselves is the right term, but like move further in our evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You know, guys, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring this up today, but you know what? I've been practicing something. Russell, do you have like a, um, like a coffee cup or something nearby, a tea <laughs> mug that you can, in, in sight? Do you see yeah. something? Can you describe yeah, it to coffee me? Grounds too. <laughs> can I do, can I describe it to you? Yeah. Tell me what, tell, what does it look like? Tall and tr- Slightly transparent and green. Is it ceramic or like glass, something like that? Uh, no, it's not. What is it, plastic? Yeah, it's plastic. Mm, all right, I haven't done it with plastic before, but uh, all right, give me a second. Let me focus. Oh, you hear that? Yeah, what was that? Uh, it was just me dropping something on my desk. I just thought it would sound like, you know. I moved it with my mind. Jesus. Not impressed. <laughs> Not impressed. That was terrible. <laughs> that was an awful uh, joke. That was, I'm sorry, Gretchen. You know, I, lis- I was listening to War of the Worlds the other day, and I was thinking about how powerful radio can be, and I thought I might be able to get away with it. Guess not. Sorry, Guess not. Dude, no, sorry. No, maybe it's because yes. we're like doing a podcast versus in person without whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Savannah, cut that one out. Huh? No, not. <laughs> well, you gotta leave the bag. Yeah, hundred percent. It was completely necessary. All right, I'll I'll own that one. I'll own that one. Um, gentlemen, it's been an hour and a half rip. Um, although maybe we'll cut out the whole beginning because I think the second half was just awesome. It's been great, um, Russ. Super great. You've got to go, but I, I do want to say we will be continuing this. And I suggest we continue this as a evening whiskey or Russell tea type of affair. Uh, and we go down these space rabbit holes because uh, they're fun. What do you say? Down. Done. I might grab a whiskey right now, actually, because, right. you know, it's the apocalypse. So fuck it. <laughs> I think at the, at the end of the next one, we're going to do some astral projection exercises see if we can uh, communicate to each other with our minds. Oh, cool. That would be down. I'm actually super interested <laughs> in that, so I'm going to try. Wait, have you I, – I actually have a question. Have you guys ever done – there's a – we recorded it. I'll see if Savannah has the video to send to you guys. But basically, it's like an energy – it's an energy exercise where you get a group of like four people, and you basically put one person in the middle sitting in a chair – and so you have four people surrounding them and you take two fingers and you put them under their armpits and under their like kneecaps. And then everybody tries to lift that person. And so what happens, I've seen this. you've seen yeah. it. Have you ever done it? No. So the, it's a, it's a similar concept. I, again, I think at the base layer of reality, everything is energy. 
And as human beings, we have the ability to like manipulate and join energies in ways that we don't fully understand yet. And this exercise actually shows that in a way. So you take these, and I want, I want to very clearly say energy is a very loose term. People like, you don't think of it like I'm talking about fucking magic here. It's just like literally we're, people. We're, we're not talking like Los Angeles Valley girl. I, yeah. It's yeah, just energy. Yeah. It's like when I say something, that's energy. And so what happens is these four people, they try and lift this person up and it's difficult. And then you do this exercise where you kind of all like chant something and you walk in a circle three times and you all get on the same wavelength, if you will. And then you do it again. And when you do it after doing this kind of like exercise, that person just fucking flies. Like it is so easy to lift them up out of the chair. It's yeah, insane. And, and all it is, at least in my experience, it's the same as like a Ouija board. You're just linking your energies together in a way where you're moving an object very easily. Have you guys ever done a Ouija board? No, I mean, isn't that kind of like a testament to the whole having people with good energy around you philosophy type of a thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or okay, it's it's just a combined. I mean, there's, I mean it, that, it's super valid. Mm-hmm. Definitely valid. Negative energy. I, I mean, yeah. Maybe I should be less. Than- I can see that. I, I did a Ouija board back in uh, 2010, and it told me to buy Bitcoin, <laughs> and I ignored it. So there, there Wait, you go. Actually, uh, that would be awesome. No, I wish. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> we should do. You know, that'd be a funny video to do. Um, a, do a Ouija company-wide board. Ouija board. Oh yeah, we should, I should make that. Are we? Are we <laughs> going to do it with like Bitmex in the background, kind of what we were proposing years ago? <laughs> we do one that's like the Ouija board says hundred X R now now. This is not how we run the fund, but that would be <laughs> that would be fun. We'll uh, let's. Oh, you want to tell them about the Ouija board algorithm? <laughs> like we're in the office and we've walked by a room. It's all just all darked out. It says "Do not enter." Somebody's like, "What, what is that?" So, oh, that's the Ouija board algorithm. You open the door. Me fucking hunched over with my shirt off, all frail. My hand up. <laughs> I mean, that's where all. Uh, I mean, it'd be really funny if, like, uh, in the office, when we go back to the office uh, post corona, if, like, even just for a video, we did, like, you have, like, the quant room and it has a sign that says quants, and, like, quants are hard at work on the computers. And then next to it is, like, the Ouija yeah. board room. And it's just, like, looking at both. Like, you know, we like, we don't like to, uh, just in yeah, case. You never you know, know. Just in case. I mean, the back test on the Ouija board, my God. <laughs> wow. They were right every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for hopping on, Michael. Right, cool. fun. We'll make sure to get you back on soon. Please. This it was, was great. great. Any final words, Mike? Where can folks find you? Where can they read your writings that are behind a uh, academic paywall? <laughs> uh, just Google ResearchGate. Michael Feldman for the academic paywall, but that's boring. Look at GitHub with Tantra. That's more fun right now. And uh, Mikey underscore RF on Twitter, but I don't use it. So Jason's going to have to take over my account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let the Ouija board algorithm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah good point. That would actually work pretty well. It, it, that's probably what Trump uses, the Ouija board algorithm. <laughs> <laughs>
honestly. Do masks work? No. No. Do masks work? No. Well, you keep, <laughs> you keep saying the same thing. <laughs> Stupid Ouija board. Is, the, uh. is Trump's Ouija board <laughs> orange? I mean, in, in probably uh. not because it's too close to Bitcoin orange, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I hate that he's orange. It, really it bothers should. Me. It bothers me too. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Thanks for having um, me, guys. Absolutely. This this we we don't usually go this long. Only when we're having fun. And so. uh, well, we next time we do board whiskey fun, so we'll go like two and a half hours. It'll be good. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All righty, folks. Thank you for listening. That was a fun one. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're gonna have Kagan on. He's our uh, one of our data scientists. He's one of the unsung heroes of Tantra Labs. So stay tuned. Shout out to our super fan Brett Morrison. You're the best. Thank you for listening. That's all, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, consider leaving us a positive review, and sharing us with your friends. And if you'd like to earn interest on your Bitcoin, Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Thanks for listening.